What are you going to feel like if in five years and eight years and 10 years, your life doesn't change at all? If you're a creative person, if you're a baker, a dancer, a photographer, a screenwriter, an actor, a comedian, a podcaster, and you want to figure out how to make a living doing what you love, this is the show. This is the show. Don't keep your day job. My name is Kathy Heller, and I'm a singer-songwriter. I make a living doing what I love, and I want that for you. This is the show that's going to help you do that and give you not only inspiration, but some real-life strategies. This is going to help you figure out how to take your creative passion and turn it into a profit. Thanks to the Work in Progress podcast for supporting Don't Keep Your Day Job. Work in Progress is a new podcast about the meaning and identity we find in work. It's produced by Slack. Follow along at Twitter at Slack Stories and find more great stories at slack.com slash podcast. That's slack.com slash podcast or at Slack Stories on Twitter. Thanks to Skillshare for supporting Don't Keep Your Day Job. Skillshare is giving you a month of unlimited access absolutely free. Go to www.skillshare.com slash dream job to redeem your free month. Remember for one free month, Go to Skillshare.com slash DreamJob. Thanks, Skillshare. Hey, everybody. It's Kathy Heller. Welcome back to another episode of Don't Keep Your Day Job. Uh, You might have noticed we moved over to society and culture. Um, We felt like this show, it's not just about marketing. It's not just about, you know, what are the intricacies of building a business? It's more about purpose, passion, doing what you really want to do in this world, creating your mark, leaving your legacy. And so we moved over to society and culture. So you can find us there. You can tell your friends to find us there. If you like the episode, please share the show with your friends. Helps us so much. Um, One of the things I want to start doing on the episodes is answering your questions and giving you guys some direct feedback and support use this time I'm here for you so I just want to try this I want to do a whole episode now dedicated to answering your questions and I put on my Facebook page and on my Instagram I said ask me anything and so I want you guys to come follow me at Instagram at Kathy.Heller Kathy with a C and come to the Facebook page and you can start posting what your questions are and we'll just start doing this you know as much as you guys want so if this goes well you guys want more of this let me know so this whole episode is all about you guys I'm just going to be answering your questions and hopefully this will be helpful constructive, supportive, all that good stuff. Okay, thanks to Work in Progress for supporting our podcast. Work in Progress is a new podcast about the meaning and identity we find in work, hosted by Dan Meissner, produced by Slack. Each episode has stories of rising ambitions and debilitating insecurities, great successes and abject failures, the plans we make, and the luck that happens. They feature some really interesting individuals, entrepreneurs, freelancers, and artists who find themselves in unique situations. So check it out. Follow along on Twitter at Slack Stories and find more great stories at slack.com slash podcast. That's slack.com slash podcast or at Slack Stories on Twitter. Thanks to Skillshare for supporting our podcast. You know how I'm always telling you guys to be resourceful? Well, Skillshare is a great resource for any professional or freelancer looking to brand themselves, grow their business, or simply become more well-rounded. Skillshare is an online learning community with over 15,000 classes in design, business, so many things. They're offering you one month of unlimited access absolutely free. Just go to www.skillshare.com slash dream job and you can redeem your free month. You can learn everything from logo design to social media marketing, creative letters, mobile photography. Um, There's a class on how to make an iPhone how-to video. Like I thought was a really fun. There's a class on flower arranging. You can learn to knit a simple scarf. There's watercolor stuff. There's this fun like creative writing 10-day journaling challenge. Lots of really cool stuff. You can get unlimited access to all of this for a low monthly price. Never pay per class again. But for one free month, go to skillshare.com slash dreamjob. So let's get started on today's episode and see how this goes. So Phil said, hey, Kathy, um, will you have a musician on the podcast sometime soon? 
Yes, I actually just reached out to Julia Michaels, manager, and uh, there's a few other people I have in mind. So yes, if you have any suggestions, feel free to um, email me at hello at don't keep your day job, um, or you can post it on the Facebook page or on Instagram. You can uh, let me know and I'll take it into account. And Jay says, do you like tacos? The answer is yes. I actually had tacos last night for a friend of ours birthday. We went out. Can you believe a mom with three kids? We went out. Yeah, we had great Mexican food and of course, sangria because come on. But Jay said, on a more serious note, what's a good way to market your music and promote it? He says he got the branding stuff down, but as far as promoting on social media, he doesn't have a big following and hashtags only do so much. So he wants to know what's an effective way to grow your audience online. So the thing that most people don't do is um, really leverage social media platforms, right? So I would choose one platform that you feel the most passionate about, the most into, the most comfortable with using, but you need to really um, deliver. And I would do as much posting as I as, as you can and just try to think about like, who is your target audience, right? Who are the people who'd be listening to your music? And what are the types of things that you think they would be interested in seeing from you? I know recently a friend of mine, she did a Patreon um, account. Patreon is awesome for musicians. It's a way for you to let people out there, you know, become patrons of your art and they can start giving you whether it's $3 a month, $5 a month, 20 bucks a month. Well, this particular friend of mine is now up to like $1,300 a month, okay? That's a month that she's just getting just to do her art from friends who decided to support her. But it's not just about getting that money. What it does is by you creating a Patreon account, it's just this is just one way. It kind of forces you to think and be creative and come up with ways that you can share your art get people um, new content. And so what you do is for people who, let's say, pay $3 a month, you might give them access to um, one free download of your song a month. For people who might pay $5, you might give them something else. Like they might get an exclusive behind the scene video of you in a writing session. For people who pay even more, they might get a streaming thing where they can have a private sort of concert. For people who pay even more, maybe you go to their house and you do an actual house concert. Um, for people who pay something else, maybe, you know, at different tiers, people are getting other kinds of content from you, whether it's uh, some like handwritten poem, something you painted that has like some of your lyrics in it. When you really stop and you start to think like if this was a business, like any other business, if you were making hats, if you were making jeans, if you were opening a bakery, what are all of the things that you can do to sort of build buzz? If you were your own um, product manager and marketing director and CEO, what are the things that you would be putting together to help things grow, right? Like Halo Top, um, we just had Doug on, you know, he's uh, president of Halo Top. So Doug from Halo Top, he was thankful for being on. So he sent me a box of all of this Halo Top swag. He sent me shirts and tattoos for my kids, these temporary tattoos, the cutest ones ever that are like ice cream tattoos and all different kinds of things. He sent me pins, uh, hats, and of course they sent me, you know, on dry ice, they sent me all different kinds of, of ice cream flavors. But the point is how interesting that an ice cream company would also have created temporary tattoos. Like that has nothing to do with ice cream, you would think. But what are all the different ways that you can think about standing out and driving attention to what it is that you're doing? You know, when when we when things first started, people were making music videos. Like before there was social media, before people were really thinking about different kinds of content, that was the first one, right? Like I'll make a music video, but what else could you be creating? What are other things that might be interesting um, that would just start to gain you some attention? Um, I would be thinking about that, make a list, and then 
start just start trying things um it's amazing how most people do nothing so by trying you're going to be like 99 percent of the way there derek said hey kathy i hope your daughter's feeling better see he knew that my daughter was sick this week thanks derek i find it's really easy to get excited in waves you'll really feel inspired for a few days and then feel overwhelmed the next few what's the best way to keep inspiration flowing and not to fall into those times of feeling overwhelmed so i totally understand that it's a great question you know um I'm a human being just like everybody else and and I've had moments like that. I think what happens is I've practiced for so long um, being so positive and I have certain things I guess that I've, I do that are now sort of like habit that I don't tend to fall into that slump anymore. But I, I know exactly what you're talking about. I think some of the things that I, I now do sort of naturally um, that, that would help and that I think are helpful is proactively listening to things that you think are really inspiring. I mean, if this podcast is inspiring to you, then great. But there's so many other things, you know, like I have a list of people that I listen to and things that I find interesting. And I'll just like go to YouTube and, you know, watch one of those videos. And I'm just reinvigorated. You know, I was recently listening to Lewis Howes and he was talking about how it's a joke, like how people don't even dream nearly big enough and how he wanted to go into the NFL and everybody told him it was crazy and he didn't have the quote unquote talent to make it. And then he was just like, well, I'm going to commit and I'm going to work really hard. And I think when you surround yourself, even if you have to surround yourself, it's not people local, but it's, you know, there's so much at our fingertips, whether you're watching Gary Vaynerchuk and you're like just listening to two minutes of him talking about how it's all about the hustle and, you know, you don't need a certain pedigree or you don't need to be born in a certain country. It's just about how hard you hustle. These things, they, they give you that like shot of dopamine and it really just, you know, wakes you up and it reminds you. It's it's so empowering when we take responsibility. The more we put that responsibility in our hands and we realize we realize how much we're capable of and we remind ourselves that our potential, it's just so huge it's it's humongous it's giant it's infinite what we, we've never even you know uh what do they say this like the scientific idea that people have, have said so many times to me i've heard this idea that like in our lifetimes we don't even use like an eighth of our brain's capacity but your soul what, what you have at your fingertips the resourcefulness that you have within you the potential that you have within you it's just amazing it's just amazing and i, I feel like on so many levels um we just need to be reminded of what we have and then uh we don't have to to blame any circumstances we don't have to blame any person we can just be so so sure that we have so much that's untapped within ourselves and that's all that we need because our own enthusiasm and our own grit and our own persistence and our own passion is the thing that's going to unlock everything and those are things that we can develop inside of ourselves we don't need to get them from anywhere else so reminding myself by listening to somebody who I think is inspiring is really helpful another thing that I do you know there's certain songs that put me in that space you know if there's certain songs that you know make a playlist like that go for a run don't just leave it to chance that you're going to be inspired you know make that part of your your morning ritual like if you know that going on a run and listening to these three songs typically makes you feel like you can take on the world then don't just hope that within the day you're going to feel inspired enough to go do something about what you want to do and with your work 
just make that part of the, the, the plan so that you wake up just like with, with breakfast and lunch. You wouldn't say, well, I ate breakfast and lunch, you know, three days ago. So I'll just hope that at some point in the day I, I just eat. It's like, no, you plan that. You make sure that you carve out the time so that that food gives you enough energy because you know you're going to need that energy to get through the day. So, so too emotionally, spiritually, psychologically, if we know we're going to need that fuel to get us through the rest of the day in order to make great choices, in order to leverage the time that we have today so that come Friday, we already have have three new things that have spawned from this thing that we did today we need to give ourselves those you know that fuel we need to intake some of those really important things so we need to kind of figure out what is it that works for you and then i would make that a habit successful people make great habits and they stick to them and those things you know our habits it's so much of what makes things happen you know it's the, the things that we do habitually so those are a couple things um but i know that it's hard the other thing i just want to say about it is the more sure the more certainty you have about what you know is possible, the more you're going to commit. That's the thing. It's like if you're hopeful, that's, that's not going to help so much. But if you're certain, if you're certain that, that you can do this thing that you feel like you're setting out to do, then you will be motivated and you won't feel like you get in that slump. So what do you need to do to create that certainty? I know for myself, when I've been wanting to achieve things and I've been unsure about them, I will look and, and I will study other people who've already done it because not only can I reverse engineer some of the things that these people have done, but it gives me certainty because I say to myself, this has been done already. It's not like I'm asking, you know, to cure this disease and no one's done it, which that I would, you know, hope that I could do, but I'm not so certain. But there are things I'm setting out to do that hundreds, thousands of other people have done. The more that I wrap my head around that, I can get certain. I can get really certain that this is possible. And then if I start to really um, delve into my approach and my resourcefulness, I start to just see it coming to life. So the more certain you are, that's going to, 100% affect how much action you take. So I would think about how certain are you? And if you're not that certain, that really truly is what's holding you back. Because if there's a part of you that in your head says to yourself at least four times an hour, this really isn't going to happen. It's not really possible. You're not really going to be, your thoughts, you know, direct your actions, right? So at the end of the day, at the root of it, if you're not really certain and sure that this is possible and that you can do this, why would you, why would you be so, you know, so up and so positive all the time? So I would think about that certainty. And, you know, like I've, I've said before that when you go into surgery and you're talking to the doctor, um, you don't want him to say, okay, I hope I'll see you in three hours. You want him to say, great, I'm going to get my scrubs on. We're going to do the surgery. I will see you in three hours. You want that certainty or else you're not going to go into surgery. The hope is not enough. We've got to be certain, right? We've got to get our shoulders back. We've got to get our head held high. And the thing is that if you commit and if your, pers- if your perseverance really takes a hold and you just keep going and you're passionate and you're enthusiastic and you're genuine, you're humble and you really craft those things that are inside of all of us, those things that we don't need to buy, those things that it doesn't matter how old we are, how much we weigh, those things are going to determine anyway whether or not we can have it. So we, we have to take responsibility and accountability for whether or not we can make this outcome happen. And if we are you know, persistent enough and we keep changing our approach, we will get there. Just like everybody falls down a million times, but everybody learns to walk because you just commit to it. You commit that you will walk. There is no exception unless, of course, God forbid you have some problem and you cannot. All babies, otherwise, they will learn to walk no matter how many times they fall down. Another question. Um, I hope that I'm not mispronouncing your name. It says, 
Stasia. Stasia said, the process of naming a business is holding me back. In order to get anything started in the process, I find myself needing a name. A big part of my creativity is exploration, and I'd like to start writing about the exploration in order to fine-tune what I want my business to be. But to start a blog, I need a name, and I'm starting to blog to find a name. So you're saying that because you can't come up with a name for your business, you're not starting. This is what I want to say, okay? Something started and something finished is better than something perfect. So often the thing that happens is we get stuck and we don't start and we certainly don't finish because we won't even begin until we have the right name, right? So you can change the name. It's okay. I mean, that's happened before, but just starting because if you're already getting stuck around just the name, think of everything else that could get you stuck. Of course. I mean, I don't, I don't blame you. I wouldn't have the perfect name either necessarily, but we just try things. I mean, I said at the beginning of the show that we started, we put this show in the business category. And then the more we started looking at it, um, we started saying to ourselves, you know, this show is not just about business and metrics and, and, and the numbers and the marketing. And we started looking at the other shows that were in the business category. We said, we feel like this show is really about what's really behind it all. You know, what's the purpose? What's the passion and, and why? And, and how do we get out of our own way? And, and we felt like our takeaways were less about these sort of nuts and bolts of business, but these bigger things that really everybody can sink their teeth into that have a lot more to do with who we are, why we're here. So we moved it. But thank God we started because we're not going to get it right anyway the first three times. So why not just start because we're going to learn a lot. I feel like my greatest asset in my life has been that I'm so not perfect. Like I was a C student, but I'm not afraid to just try stuff. Like I'm not worried about being perfect. So I'll make that phone call or I'll send that email or I'll throw my podcast up before I'm really ready. Because what's being ready anyway? Like who's ever got the perfect name? Whoever has it all perfect to begin with? But you start stuff and then you just keep redefining it. That's just the way that it is. So, you know, so often friends of mine, when they're writing a script, they'll say like, you know, the working title, quote unquote, of the script is this. And then they think one day they're going to change it. So you could have a working title of something and then you can change it. And if you're really still like, no, I absolutely want to get the title before I even begin. There's other things that you can do to start that ball rolling. You know, maybe you post it on Facebook and tell people, you know, here's what my show's about. What do you think a great name is? I did that with my podcast. I did that within my friends community before the podcast launch. I said, what do you think this podcast should be called? Somebody said a great one from passion to profit. Somebody said passionistas. People had a lot of different names. I thought, you know, at the end of the day, don't keep your day job was, was the best one of them. But I asked my friends. So you can ask your friends. You can be resourceful. The more that you talk about it and you're enthusiastic and you bring this up in conversations with your friends, with your family members, and you really stand behind what you're talking about and you're really clear, write down, take a piece of paper and write down who are you serving with this blog? Okay. At the end of the day, what is this blog's message? Who are you serving? What's it about? How is it going to lift people? How's it going to entertain people? What's it going to do? Therein lies what the name of this should be, right? When you really look at what, what is this about at the end of the day, you're going to be able to reverse engineer, walk backwards and see from whatever your goal is, the title should really sum that up. So if somebody hasn't really taken the time yet to like read the blog, they should know from the title what it's about. So I felt like don't keep your day job. What does that bring to mind? Don't keep your day job. It means like don't settle. It means do the thing you're really passionate about because typically when somebody wants to do something they really want, somebody will say, don't quit your day job, right? Like keep the, the you know, the easy nine to five. Don't go and do that thing because it might not work out. So I wanted to say the opposite. Don't keep your day job. Go do what you really feel like you've been called to do in this life. 
Uh, Beverly said, oh my God, why didn't you start the podcast sooner? Just kidding. She said she's been so motivated. She's doubled her income in a month because she felt so driven to just go do it, listening to podcasts each week. So she said she loves this life. So happy to hear it. Um, Angela asks, do you interview your guests face-to-face? So sometimes I do. Um, Ed Begley, I recorded him at his home in Studio City. He's not a a fan of, you know, wasting more energy. So I drove to him. So two of us didn't have to drive to the studio. Some other guests I've interviewed at our studio um, in Hollywood. I interviewed Elizabeth Karen there. I interviewed Saul Blinkoff there. I interviewed Maggie Kiley there. Other people like Jonathan Adler, he's in New York and I'm in LA. So I interview him um, through something called Zencaster. It's great software. It allows me to record him and it records him locally on his computer and then it uploads to the cloud. So it doesn't sound like it's going through the phone because it's not um jonathan says what do you do when you're feeling down and out and not motivated to do what you love so we talked about this before um i make it part of my life to be motivated i make it part of my life to assume see you have to think of it this way like life is like this if you're not moving up you don't stay still you wind up going down It's like being on an escalator, okay? Picture an escalator that's going down. And sometimes when you're a kid, you know how you'd like go on the down escalator and try to walk up those steps. You know, if you commit to walking up the steps while the escalator is going down, you can do it. You know, you can get ahead of the escalator and you can walk up while it's walking down. But if you stop for a second, you don't stay where you are. The escalator goes down and you go down with it, right? So there is so much negativity and there's so many people around us in our lives who have just taken that voice inside of themselves that knows what they want or that has an inkling or or creativity or passion for something and they just push it aside push it aside and kids I mean, what do you do when you go to school you're taught to sit down shut up raise your hand you're taught not to necessarily think out of the box and have group conversations i mean in school in a lot of ways you're not really taught to be persistent in the sense that like street smarts right like if we want people to be creative entrepreneurs and really like do stuff and not be followers the way that our schools are being run is not really helpful because all you're really told is don't speak unless you're spoken to and you should follow along and stay within the lines like it's all about that stuff so there's so much negativity there's so much fear about um listening to ourselves because a long time ago we started looking at that stuff like you know that was a problem and we needed to learn to stay within the lines and follow instructions and you know speak when spoken to and all of that stuff so what happens is we need to proactively fill our minds, fill our souls, fill our heads with what we really know to be true. And so I make that part of my life. You know, part of the reason I do this show is because so often so many of my friends have said like, I need a Kathy pep talk. You know, I need to talk to you because I'm always this person, but it's not just because I'm born this way. It's because I make this my job to um, you know, surround myself with people who talk this way, listen to videos, listen to lectures. Um, you know, back in the day, I'd be listening to cassette tapes. Now it's reading books or listening to podcasts or watching videos. Um, there's so many inspiring people, but find the people who fuel you. And, you know, hopefully this, this podcast does it for you and that's great, but you need to make it your job. Like it has to be habitual every single day. And, and so if it's not going to be this podcast every day, what else can you listen to? What else can you listen to for a few minutes? And what else can you do? What can be reminders for you of what's possible is it this 
theme song from Rocky? Is it I Have a Tiger? Do you need to listen to that when you get up in the morning? Is it making a vision board? You know, 10 years ago when I was first starting out, I don't do that anymore. Um, but I used to do that. And you know what's amazing? So many of those things came true. Like so many things, things that I really wanted to happen and I wanted to visualize and see those things. I wanted to remind myself of what I was fighting for every day. Not because I believe in this idea that like you visualize it and it happens. It's like you can visualize all you want, but if you're not going to if you're going to visualize and then go eat a sandwich, nothing's going to happen, okay? You have to you know, think about stuff and then do a lot. You have to work really hard. You have to hustle, okay? Um, I don't believe in like you visualize it and you know, it shows about your door. But I do believe that by seeing stuff and reminding yourself of what you want, that's going to help you. It's just going to help you work harder, right? Because that hard work is what's going to get you there. So anything that's going to fuel you to get there. You know, and the other thing that can really fuel you is the fear of what happens if you don't do it, right? What if you closed your eyes right now everybody and you picture what are you going to feel like if in five years and eight years and ten years your life doesn't change at all you don't do that thing that you want how do you feel about yourself how do you feel about your life how do your relationships look around you what happens as a result of not being motivated and not doing what you want how do you feel in five years and eight years and ten years and 15 years and 20 years if you don't do anything about it when you start to look at this and you start to ask yourself that question, what is that really going to feel like? That, that fear, that pain, that pain of you feeling like you missed the best years of your life because there was something you so wanted to do and you didn't do it. If, if that is there, right? If there is something that you know you want to be doing. If, if you're doing something you want to be doing already, then great. And by the way, what you want to be doing might not be doing something for a living. I know people who are really happy stay-at-home moms, and I feel like in five years and 10 years and eight years, they'd be so grateful that they stayed home and they were moms. So that's I'm not talking about making money. I'm talking about if the thing that you want to do is, is there and staring you in the face and you're afraid or you're feeling unmotivated day in and day out, you're not sure if you should be doing it, but there's a fear and a pain associated with not doing that. Okay, that's what I want you to think about. And how will you feel if you don't do that? And by the way, let me just say something about money because I just said it before. The show is not about money. The show is about doing what you love, right? And it's about figuring out how when you do what you love and you really commit to it, you will make a living at it because Bobby Brown certainly has made a living making lipstick and Jonathan Adler certainly figured out how to make pottery and turn that into dollars and Elizabeth Karen with her photography and you know the list goes on and on and on. But so often I hear, especially creative people, I hear people say, and, and not, it doesn't have to just be a creative person. I hear, I hear this from everybody, but there's this thing about money, like money is bad. There's something wrong with it if you want money. And so often people will say, I don't need to make a lot of money. I just need to admit, I don't need it. I just, I just, I just, it's like, what's, what's wrong with saying that you want to make a lot of money? Even saying that, I feel like I just said something wrong by saying it because there's such taboo around it. But I want you to understand something. Not having a priority to make money is not being responsible. Because if we don't make money, then we really can't help other people. The truth is most very, very, very generous people, the people who are able to open schools in Africa and help with organizations and save the oceans. I mean, the, the very, very generous people of this world, okay? They had to have made money a priority so they can help other people. If you're poor and you have to basically worry most of the day about how you're gonna make ends meet just so you can pay the bills to keep the heat on and get a sandwich for dinner, how much more energy then do you have in, in the tank to help other people around you? 
So I think it's actually irresponsible to not have money as part of our goals. And I don't see what's wrong with saying, I want to make a lot of money because the more money you can make, the more you can really not have to worry about money. That's the greatest luxury money buys you. The more money you make, you don't have to worry about money. So you have that extra time in your day where you can then create stuff and do stuff and help people and do fun things. And I feel like the more money I've made, the more fun I have, the more happy I am, the more generous I am, not because of the money, but because of the time, the money allows me to use that time for stuff I really want to do. So I don't think you saying you want to make money or you want to make a lot of money or you need to make a lot of money. I don't think that makes you shallow. I don't think that makes you like a weirdo. I think that that's healthy. I think it's smart. I think it's only unhealthy if you wanna make a lot of money for the sake of having a lot of money, or if it's because of your ego, or if it's because you just need money. I mean, that's not who you are. That's not what we're talking about. So I want people to sort of like get past that. I feel like if you know if you do have a hang up around money and you have a belief around money that's actually negative or there's something you associate with making money it's actually going to really hamper your ability to go forward and create because there's something about success and money that you might feel like is disingenuous or it means you're not altruistic all of a sudden or you're not really a creative person like David Weissman you know he's making a lot of money and you know he was saying that he realized that early on, a lot of people, um, a lot of these artists, you know, he went to RISD and a lot of these artists felt like if you were making money and you were listening to your customer, let's say someone was going to commission you and give you $300,000 to build something in their staircase, like you're selling out if you're making money. It's like, no, can't you make money and still be an artist? Can't you be Jonathan Adler and still, you know, have some integrity to your art and make millions and millions of dollars and have a house in Shelter Island? Why is it that, you know, it's either you're poor and you have integrity or if you're rich, you have no integrity, you're not an artist, you're not good at it anymore. It's ridiculous. I mean, Mandy Moore was saying also last week that so often on her show, um, you know, people were saying that it's only art if it's like, you know, you're choreographing something that's depressing and sad and haunting. Why can't you have art that's joyful and lovely and and celebrates love and happiness? Why not? And it's the same thing with money. Why can't you have money, stay at a beautiful five-star hotel, take your kids on great trips, buy them beautiful clothes, eat Haagen-Dazs ice cream, and do good for the world and the people around you and make beautiful art? It should be that way. And I'm telling you, I... I love that fact that I sort of got past it because I did have that hang up around money early on. And I thought that part of being a songwriter meant that I should be a starving artist. There's nothing glorified about being a starving artist. There's nothing cool about that. That doesn't actually help me do my art and it doesn't help me inspire other people if I'm starving. So the more money I've made, I've been able to really enjoy the money. I use the money to give to family and friends, to host, to have things at my house, to take my kids to beautiful places. And I use the money to afford me time to keep creating new things to help other people in the artist community and to really do things that light my soul on fire. So I think it is really important to think about that as well. Another question. Renee said, how do I help my husband stay motivated to support me? He gets excited when something goes well, like we land a great account, but he tends to pout when he's not getting enough time with me. Um, First of all, you can't control the people around you. So how do you help your husband stay motivated to support you? Unfortunately, the best thing you can do is not worry about how he feels about it. The best thing you can do is 
just really commit to taking care of yourself, doing what you ne- you know you need to do, um, making yourself happy. And if he gets negative, you can just let him know that you don't really enjoy hearing it. You'd appreciate it if he didn't. You could leave the room if he's talking about it. But the more you just make yourself happy and the more it's clear that you're committed to this and it doesn't matter if you have highs and lows or if you have a sale one week and you don't the next and you're just going to keep going, he's going to take your lead. He's going to realize that this is something that you're doing. And People truly learn to treat us based on the way we treat ourselves. It's like with people in their own companies. If you're not investing your own money, and if you don't have money, let's say you're not investing your own time into it, why would you expect other people to buy it or support it or invest their money in it? And so it's the same thing with, with their support. It's like if you're not 100% psyched and, and, and you know into it and committed, why would we expect other people to be there to help motivate us and, and support us? I've had times where my husband is really supportive and excited. And I have other times where he's like, oh, you know, he's so used to, let's say, me making a few hundred thousand dollars and a couple months will go by and he'll say, what happened? You didn't get another song in a Nike spot or a McDonald's spot? What happened? It, it, that's his stuff, you know? And And the more that he sees that I just do this. This is just what I love to do. And true, you know, people who are entrepreneurs and business people and have their own business, whatever you want to call it, you know, Nobody says that's easy. Nobody says like, oh yeah, that's the smoothest path. Of course, every single day, the numbers are just going to go up. Your margins are going to increase. You're just going to do better and better every single day. It's going to be immediate gratification. It's just going to be a, a continual climb. It's like no one says that. But what we do say is that the reason it's easier is because it's so much more fulfilling to be hustling for your own dream than somebody else's dream. And it's so much more fulfilling because by stepping forward and working on your stuff for yourself every day you're working on your 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 biggest fears you're playing on your strengths you're growing you're not settling so it's not just that you have the fulfillment of working on something you know that you want to be working on but it really helps you grow because it it helps you stare your fears straight down in the face. Remember when Doug was on from Halo Top and he was talking about how much they have to hustle and how many sales calls he had to make. I mean, that really was you know, getting him out of his comfort zone. He was a lawyer who went to UVA law school, was working at a top law firm, and then he has to get on the phone and cold call. But that really, I mean, not only is that humbling, but that really can help you stretch and grow. And I've had to do that so many years of my life or spent making cold calls and trying to find my way into an ad agency, trying to find my way into somebody who works at a music department, a TV studio, or a magazine if I wanted them to cover, you know, something that I was working on. But I really just think, you know, staying in it, we have to we have to be the ones who fuel that. And we can't control what other people feel around us. We we have to be the one to do it. And and that's part of really being sure, you know, and building our sense of self. Um, and then we can let it go. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what they say. And look, it's much easier said than done. Of course, everybody, you know, says they don't care what other people think and people do care what other people think. But maybe you can learn to just remind yourself that it doesn't matter. Have some compassion for him. Um, And the more you're excited about it, the more he sees that you're not just doing it for the sale, you're doing it for so many other intangible reasons. Maybe he'll just realize that he just needs to support the fact that it's just helping you be a happier version of you. And it's not about, that's not the priority. That's, that's That's a byproduct of the priority. Uh, Curtis said, do you have a writing ritual? Like, do you write in the same chair at the same time every day? And how much time do you devote to writing? Could be songs, books, or other content. Um, No, I don't write in the same chair at the same time every day. How much time do I devote to writing? You know, I wind up having to write throughout the week a lot, all kinds of stuff. I have to write stuff for social media. I have to write stuff for the podcast. I work on music. Um, I don't necessarily have it as a ritual. I don't have a particular chair or anything like that, but it's something that I 
I'm in the habit of. And when I started out, I will say for years, I was very disciplined of having a ritual. And then after a while, it just becomes, you know, it's my go-to. Like I know I'm going to write. I know I'm going to work on creative stuff every single day. So I don't have to be as regimented because it's just sort of what I want to do now. I like doing it. I get excited about doing it. I look forward to doing it. But when I was starting out, I did have a ritual. I would write every Monday and Wednesday, um, no matter what. So even when I had my baby, um, this is when I was first, first starting, um, I would every single Monday and every single Wednesday, I would leave. Those are the two days in the beginning I would have a nanny. Now I have one every single day because I have so much to do. But at that time, even if I wasn't making money, let's say that week, I would still take those two days and be writing songs. Um, that way I knew Monday and Wednesday were dedicated to writing. And by the end of this, the month, I would have four, usually four completed full produced songs. Um, and by having that as a my, my ritual and being really disciplined about it, I wound up, you know, writing stuff. And there were times that, you know, stuff was mediocre, but by having the ritual, it would force me to go back. And since I already paid for the nanny to come and I knew she was going to be there, it would force me to go out of the house. And I was writing um, a lot at this place called Tree People. Those of you who live in LA, um, it's in Fryman Canyon. And I would sit under those trees and sometimes I'd meet with my co-writer there, Kyler England, and it would force me to write. And so because I knew I had the time blocked off, I was writing and, you know, by golly, even the days I didn't really feel like going, I'd still go. And sure enough, really cool things started to come out of me because I would force myself to make the space and make the time to write. And so I would push through some some of those days, you know, wasn't inspired or nothing great happened. But because I had the time blocked off and I knew I'd keep coming back, eventually the muscle gets stronger and stronger and you have, you know, better and better days and your writing just gets better. It's like anything. The more you practice it, the more you're going to get better at it. You get faster at knowing what things feel easier in terms of what words feel easier to sing. You get better at rhyming things. I mean, for a songwriter, it's, it's true, but it's true for anything you're practicing. Lisa says, what are creative's biggest technology challenges? Website launch, maintenance, setting up social media and or maintaining, building newsletters, setting up an online shop. You know, all of those things can be challenges. It just depends who you are and which things you know how to do. Like I know for myself, launching a website wasn't that difficult because I hired somebody to help me build it. Creating my newsletter was hard for me because I wanted to build a list of people to send it to, right? And so working on how to create, you know, content and get people to opt in so I could have enough people to send a newsletter to took some time. Um, social media, I I basically just do Instagram, uh, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, I guess it just depends on who you are and which things you think is most important. I would, if I was you, I would think about what is the thing I, I most need to work on myself and what are the other things that I can ha- hire out, have somebody else do, um, and do I need to do all of those things or should I just be doing one of those things? And can I be, you know, outsourcing some of that stuff? Uh, Mikey says, what's the current album you have on repeat? Right now, I am obsessed uh, with the musical Dear Evan Hansen. It's amazing. If you guys haven't heard Dear Evan Hansen, you need to go to iTunes right now um, or YouTube or wherever you want to listen and um, check it out. The music from that show is awesome. I love the message of that show. It's about a kid who doesn't really fit in and uh, one of the other kids in school commits suicide and he, I don't want to give too much away, but it's a show that I think really everybody can relate to in some way because everybody on some level feels a little bit alone. Um, and it really addresses a lot of very relevant things and the music is amazing. So check it out. Um, Alice said, how's your book coming? The book is coming. Great. I'm working on this book. Um, St. Martin's Press is putting out this book. Macmillan is, you know, the big umbrella publisher there. And I love the people I'm working with. 
I'm really excited about the book. I hope that um, before the book comes out, I'll be doing some pre-sales and you guys will get excited and I hope that um, you guys will buy it. I found out that you need to sell like 10,000 books to make something a bestseller. And so I hope that we guys, we can rally together because I feel like if the book, you know, really does well and let's say it becomes a bestseller, I feel like it can become just a huge platform for me to really speak around the country and talk and help so many people um, however I can to just really click, you know, to really get it that they have this, you know, stuff inside of them that's amazing and that they are enough and that they should get busy doing their thing. And if there's words that I can say, I mean, I'm sure there's so many things I say that other people say, but if I can say it in a way that my particular frequency helps this particular person to tune in and that the way that my frequency, that's the way their radio receptor hears it better than maybe the way someone else said it. And if I can help people, that would be amazing. And so I'm hoping um, the book will come out fall of 2018 and I'm hoping that we'll do a book tour. I'm hoping that, uh, you know, we'll be able to help a lot of souls. That would be just an incredible reward. And I feel so grateful to you guys because if it wasn't for the podcast and you guys listening, I don't know if this book would have, you know, happened so quickly. And so I love you guys and I'm just so grateful that you guys keep listening. And I hope that I just honor the time you're spending here because I know you could be doing so many other things, but because you're here, I hope you can hear how genuine I am about showing up here every week. And I hope that you feel like it's worth your while and that I'm not taking your time for granted. It would really continue to help us if you guys keep telling your friends about it. So post about the show on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook, email some friends about it, share it with someone you think might need it. It really helps. Uh, DL said, how broke were you before you got your first license or were you doing okay? Sorry if it's too personal. No, not too personal. Um, And I hope now that you guys are seeing the format of this, that you guys will come to my Instagram, kathy.heller and follow me. But the whole point of following me there and to come to the Facebook page, I hope that you will um, post some of your questions so I can do these more often and answer your, your questions and talk to you guys. How broke was I? So What happened was I worked at a day job. I saved some money. So I had a landing pad for a little bit so that I could save some money from my day job and then quit my day job in order to live off of that savings and work on my music. And it was interesting because I kept feeling like any day something was going to happen and it just kept feeling like any day, any day. I was so sure. I was so certain. I was working so hard, but my music just wasn't really there yet. But I just kept working and I kept feeling it was any day now. And just as I was just almost completely out of savings, it was like a year and a half later that things just started to to take off. And so thankfully I had a little bit of that savings, but yeah, I, I got down to a point where I, I was broke. And then what's amazing is when something happens, the beauty of something happening is not just that it happened, but that it's gonna help you get the next thing. You know, it's like when I get one famous person on the show, other people see that and they're like, oh, Bobby Brown did the interview? Jonathan Adler says, oh, I'll do it. You know, and then Jonathan Adler does it. And then Mandy Moore's like, oh, that's cool. I want to be in that company. I'll do it. When I got my first license, you know, people were like, oh, that music's already been used for such and such brand. Well, let, we want to hear it, you know, and then the agent takes it more seriously. And then you as an artist take yourself more seriously. So you invest more time into your craft. The more that you get, you know, a little win here and a little win there. You you keep putting money back into your business, back into your craft, and you keep putting more time into it because it helps you feel like more and more is possible. And so that's what's cool with every little thing that happened, I would just work harder instead of working less hard and saying, oh, great, I already did it. I already climbed to the top of the mountain. Now I'll just wait for more things to come to me. Every time something happened, I would just hustle harder. Every time I'd get one thing, I'd say, great, well, this worked. So I'm just going to double down on it. I'm just going to keep going. And that's really the attitude. You know, the more that things happen and you see that as an opportunity just to work even harder. Every time something happens, that just fuels you to hustle more and work harder that is when things start to explode, right? And so I just 
you know, worked it that way. And so one license turned into two, turned into 27, turned into 40, turned into 60. And it just started being, you know, a reoccurring thing. And then I would, you know, take that and turn that into like, oh, well, now I want to reach out to Billboard and Variety and the LA Weekly and ask them if they want to write about this because look how hard I'm working. And then they put the stories in there, you know, the full page stories, each one. And then I said, oh, well, now that I have these clippings, how can I use that? Oh, I'm going to leverage that. I'm going to email these clippings to different people and ask them if I can speak. And then I I'm speaking at this place. Now I spoke at this place. Maybe this place wants to have me. Now I'm flying over here. I'm getting paid to fly out to Boston and speak at Berkeley because I spoke over here. And then that keeps going, going, going. And then I'm like, oh, maybe I should teach about this. And then I start a course. And then from the course, you know, so many things happen. And then I started this podcast. And now with the podcast, you know, the book and who knows. But it's like every time you get a win, you work harder, push even more. It's like when you're running or you're doing sit-ups and you don't think you can do a single one any further and you just do three more. That's really, that that two millimeters right at the end, that push right when you think you can't push anymore, that's what separates really successful people from people who are like on that escalator and they're kind of just staying in the same place or moving down. It's like right when you get to the top, just work even harder. Just as soon as you get there, whatever you're doing, and you can apply that every single day. Like you want to carve out 30 minutes a day to work on your business ideas or 30 minutes a day, you're going to work on your craft, you're going to write, you're going to sew, you're going to knit, you're going to bake, whatever. So after you finish the 30 minutes, just add five more minutes to the, to the, to the clock every time. That's it. It's like get yourself in a habit that every time you do something, you just finish and push a little bit more. You win and you push even harder. Final question. April said, what's the best advice you have on converting people to pay as opposed to liking all the info? I realize a part of it is not giving all the info away and saving some for later. But besides that, what are better ways, more creative ways to convert? So she's talking about April created a class. It's a course, I believe, because she posted it on the Facebook page. I haven't seen it inside and out, but I saw it a little bit. And it's something about helping you plan like your perfect wedding. And so she's asking, how can she get more people to convert to actually um, becoming students of that class as opposed to just liking her page? So when it comes to this, and I think this would be the same thing with converting people from just, you know, people who look at what you're doing to people who actually buy your jewelry or they buy the soap or they come into the store or whatever it is. I think it has to do with, like we were just saying, like how much are you contributing? Like what do you feel at the end of the day you're contributing and how much more can you contribute? So with converting things, you know, for me, when I was working on, let's say my course, for a while, you know, before I actually said, hey, do you want to now buy and spend money on my course? I was, you know, I, I teach um, a songwriting class. If you're a songwriter and you want to learn more about writing music or film and TV, you can go to sixfiguresongwriting.com, the number six, sixfiguresongwriting.com, and you can see my class. You can sign up for it. Uh, we're doing something really cool now with we're helping artists who want to get their music in front of film and TV music supervisors and pitch for actual ads. I, you know, I own an agency at Catch the Moon Music, so we get searches every single day from different people around the world, around the country, asking us, you know, do you have a song for this Nike spot? Do you have a song for this Target spot? Do you have a song for this TV show? Um, and so we're going to be offering within this class, we're going to help artists to pitch for those things, for those opportunities as well. So it's going to be teaching you what to do as well as introducing you to the tastemakers and the people who are choosing these things, as well as actually giving you other opportunities that you can directly pitch music for. Um, but my point is when I was launching my course, I guess that's only a year ago, it's a little, little more than just a year ago, 
what I did before I launched it was I just wanted to contribute a whole bunch, right? It's like before you ask somebody to buy something from you, you got to make some deposits before you take out that withdrawal, right? So what can you deposit? Well, start to think about who your customer is. You know, like look at Bobby Brown for a second, right? Bobby Brown's whole thing is beauty from the inside out. So yes, she was creating lipstick and, you know, blush and eyeshadow, but what she was really, really doing is she was telling a story. She was telling a story with her message to women that you're beautiful because of who you are. You don't need this makeup. You just need this makeup only if you want to accent what you already have. And so she's written nine books. She's created so much content. Everything that's associated with her brand is you're beautiful because of who you are. So what can you be doing? What kind of content can you be creating? So what I was doing is creating as much content and really I was trying to fortify my position in the stratosphere of musicians and artists. I was trying to really create um, an image for myself as somebody who I truly, you know, am a person who really cares about people um, and especially you know since I was have been a songwriter for so long I wanted to establish myself as a songwriter who wanted to help other songwriters so I did so much stuff to create free content on YouTube I was interviewing um, music supervisors who I um, am friends with whether they're at ad agencies or whether they're TV music supervisors and I would interview them and I just put up the interview that I thought would be really helpful stuff that I wanted to know I'd put it up on YouTube or I would create cheat sheets and checklists and I would put those into a blog and I would put those online and I would I would pay I would spend my own money on Facebook ads by the way I think Facebook ads are so relevant and so cool if you're not in the Facebook ad space no matter what you do whether you're an artist and you have pottery or whether you have a business and you do um, you know you, you, you have a nail salon Facebook ads are so helpful you can go into the ad manager and you can decide who's going to see your ad so you can decide like if I'm a songwriter I can decide that I want to give free content I want to create a checklist of 10 things that song writers should be doing if they're trying to get their music let's say into film and tv and i'm going to make sure that this ad posts on the pages of people who are, have very specific things interests right so you can do it by interest so i wouldn't just pick songwriters because that's a really big pool right you want to try to make it as narrow as possible so i would put interest in there where it would be obvious that because a person said they have this interest, clearly they want information about how to write music for film and TV. So there's other conferences, right? There's the Billboard Film and TV Conference or there's the ASCAP um, Expo. So I would click that because I would say to myself, anybody who clicked that they have an interest in those conferences clearly isn't just a songwriter. They're a person who took it a step further. They want information. This is not just a hobby. They want information about how to make more money um, getting this music into film TV and so I would run Facebook ads and those things would then cost me very little they would wind up costing me like one cent per click because they would go viral on their own and the truth is this here's something so important you have to remember if something you're doing truly contributes if it truly has value people will share it right so we want to give tons of stuff away like that really is the goal because we want to be associated with someone who you already gave so much value they're like oh I want to sign up for whatever else she's doing and maybe I will pay for it because I I just love being a, a, around this person. This person is feeding my soul and inspiring me, right? So um, April, if you want to help people plan their wedding, what are some of the things that you can create? What's some content, really fun, interesting, creative content that you can be creating and how can you be targeting that on, on Facebook? Um, and Facebook, of course, the Facebook ad manager also helps with Instagram because it does Instagram ads, you know, just right away, just by going to Facebook ad manager. You'll also be getting stuff on Instagram de facto. So 
that's what I would be thinking about is what kinds of things can you be putting out there? And if you're putting those things out there, are they really valuable? Are you really contributing? Because if you're really contributing, people are going to then share that with their friends and so on and so forth. And that's what makes it viral, right? So I would say just keep thinking about your target market and what problems do they have that you can solve? How can you shed light? How can you create things that are interesting? You can also repurpose content, right? You can retweet stuff that you think is interesting. You can find an article that you think is, you know, great for and relevant for them and you can post it. It, it and you you know obvious it's obvious you're posting someone else's content but that's fine you know and then that then that other person gets exposure but it, it just associates you with a person who really knows the right stuff who understands this this client this market um and it it offers so much that that's what you want to do you want to offer as much as possible and i would say for every seven deposits um you know you can take out a withdrawal and so the more that you feel like you're touching and inspiring and creating um, really important things and shareable things that are truly filled with content, the more people are going to convert. And that's what's exciting is this is what I always say. It goes back to, you know, the beginning of this conversation. The more we take into our own hands accountability and responsibility and we hustle hard, right? Hashtag hustle hard. The more we are going to see things come to fruition because it gets really exciting, doesn't it? Like as I'm talking, I hope that I know for myself even, I've been like, oh, you know, I'm talking about this. I should be doing this, 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 and this. You know, what else can I be doing? What other content? What else can I be doing to engage and to help and to support my audience? If we're asking ourselves that every single day, what else can I do to engage, support, contribute to my audience? That really is what we have to focus on. And the more we give and we create stuff that's really useful and valuable and helpful, I mean, it's the same thing with my webinars. When I do webinars for songwriters, I don't hold anything back. It's not like a tease. It's not like, oh, I'm going to just do an infomercial about the fact that I have a class. No, you will walk away from the webinar. If you're a songwriter and I do a webinar about songwriting, you're going to walk away with something valuable. I'm not just going to have you on there for an hour just to listen to me sell you on a class. So it's really just like a, you know, it's like, it's like I'm, I'm a carrot and I'm like bait and switch. No, I'm going to really help you with something. So you're going to walk away and say, well, if I got that much out of the webinar and actually learned three really cool things that I never thought of before, of course, I want to take the whole class. So I would say webinars are also super, super helpful for whatever it is that you're doing. Um, you know, you guys can be going on there and giving people free tips. If you're like, you know, Carly was here and she's arranging flowers and she also creates all this other content. You know, she's trying to think about how to, what are the out of the box ways that she can create flowers. But another thing I'm thinking is if I was a florist, what are how to videos that I could create? What are some things that I could do? You know, she has a book called The Flower Chef. What are some webinars? What are some things she could do for people who have an interest in that where she can give away some some really cool, valuable things, tangible things, and actually show you how to arrange flowers. And then not only do you walk away with some really cool things, but then at the end, yeah, she can tell you about her book as well. But if she's really um, inspiring to you and that's your particular market, you might walk away and say, oh, I got a lot out of that. Now I want to buy the book. Same thing with any field, no matter what it is. You know, I've recently walked into a children's clothing store, which I thought was like beautiful. It's in Beverly Hills. And I said to the woman, what else are you doing to drive traffic to your store? She's like, well, right now, you know, we just have these beautiful clothes. And she did do a really good job on creating the store. Like there's these trees in the middle of the store. They were made out of these wooden poles. It's really pretty. It looks like a magical, like enchanted forest in there. And I said, well, you have this beautiful space. What, how else can you use the space? She said, what do you mean? I said, well, you have this space, right? And at night the store closes, let's say six o'clock. 
and it's in this beautiful part of downtown Beverly Hills and you're already paying the rent for it. Why don't you have like wine and cheese and set up something here in the back of the shop and you can have speakers, you know, for parents. Um, and then at the end of the person speaking, you can give everybody who's there 15% off and they can have their own exclusive time to walk around the store and to shop. Or you can have somebody speak from a charity and then at the very end, everybody can get, you know, can go shopping and 15% of the sales go to the charity. Um, you can also do other things in that space. Like once a week in the back of the store on the floor, you could have a music class so that moms are coming to the class or dads are coming to the class, nannies are coming to bring the kids. And then afterwards, they're already now in your store. Maybe they're going to buy a tank top or a t-shirt or a tutu. So I was just starting to get her out of the out of the box and think about, okay, yes, you have a store that sells clothing for kids and it's high end. And it's a beautiful store. But what else can you do to appeal to your target demographic, the person who's actually taking out their wallet and paying for it? Who is that usually? It's probably the mom, right? Usually it's the mom buying the clothes for the kids. What else might she be interested in that would get her into the store that you could contribute and you could offer to her for free? But then because she's already now standing in your store, maybe she's going to buy something from from you because she's here. These are the things to think about. Okay, well, that was fun. Um, I want to do more of this. I love hearing from you guys. I love connecting to you on a more personal level. So come to the Instagram, Kathy.Heller. Um, let me know what your questions are. Come to the Facebook page and you'll see where I'll post something that says, ask me some questions or ask me anything. And then you can post underneath uh, what your questions are, what your hurdles are. And we'll just continue to do this every few episodes. We'll do like a big Q&A um, and I'll sprinkle some here and there um, in the other episodes as well. Okay, here are some takeaways. Number one, always keep in mind how you can give your audience new content. What else can you be creating? Number two, don't leave it to chance that you'll be inspired. Make it a habit to find inspiration. Number three, don't let one detail stop you from moving forward. You can always go back and change it. Number four, making money is a good thing when you plan to do good with it. Number five, you have to be supportive of yourself if you want others to support you. Number six, set aside time to hone your craft. Once it becomes a ritual, it does get easier. And number seven, there are lots of ways you can reach your customer, but first you have to know who they are. I love you guys. Thank you for being um, part of this and part of this community. You you make me excited to wake up every single day. I get so psyched that this show is, you know, when I just had my birthday, which was in June, I was like, ah, oh, it feels so good that like in this past year, I started this podcast and that I've been so lucky and so honored and so privileged that I've I've gotten so many handwritten notes and packages and emails from, from you guys saying that what I'm doing is making a difference for you, that there's just nothing that could actually make me feel better. And um, it was such an incredible thing to think about my birthday, like of all the things, you know, I was so grateful for that. So thank you for being a part of this community. If you like the show, tell your friends about it, post about it. And um if any of you are podcasters, if any of you are people who want to start your own podcast, and by the way, I think for anybody, that's a great you know piece of content to have is to create a podcast. Um, you can find me at Podcast Movement. I'll be speaking there on August 23rd. Go check it out, Podcast Movement. Check out tickets. Um, if you're a podcaster and you want to learn how to create a podcast, this is like the best event to go to. And if you're there, you can come say hi. Uh, I love you guys, and I'll talk to you next week. Special thanks to our executive producer, Tim Street, and producer, Emma Kikuchi. The podcast is a production of Authentic. For more info on advertising in this show, visit AuthenticShows.com.